This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Jordan Henderson out for the remainder of the season. Mohamed Salah very much in contention for the Golden Boot. And with Leeds on the march in the Championship, the Reds preparing for Marcelo Bielsa's arrival in the Premier League. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome to the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo, as we get set to discuss the absence of Jordan Henderson before previewing Saturday's game with Burnley and Anfield. Alongside me, our chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle. Doyle, how are you? I'm OK. You? Yeah, not so bad, thanks. Our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst. Gorsty, how are you? Yeah, not bad, guy. How are you? Yeah, yeah right. I am. I am all good. Not changed my mind in the last two seconds. We've, no. we've got a bumper <laughs> edition. <laughs> we've got a bumper edition. Both Kiva O'Neill and Theo Squires also with us on Blood Red this Friday afternoon. Kiva, how are you? Very good. Friday, always nice. Yeah, it, it certainly is. The weekend very nearly here, Theo, and very nearly Liverpool back in action. Yeah, it is. I'm not going to ask how you are because I just don't care. <laughs> well, at least we got the pleasantries all out of the way nice and early then. Let's get into the, the big news then over the last few hours. And Doily, you were present in Jurgen Klopp's virtual press conference where he confirmed, of course, Jordan Henderson will miss the, the final four Premier League games of the season. Yeah, I mean, that sounds bad, but it's actually quite a good diagnosis, to be honest. I mean, having been at Brighton on uh, on Wednesday, the minute that, you know, Jordan Henderson, when he goes down, he tends to just bounce straight back up, and he didn't this time. Um, so there were concerns there. Obviously, I think he tried to, he just tested the injury when he got, when he had a bit of treatment, but just basically gave up and went straight off. And Jurgen Klopp was very downbeat after the game. He said it wasn't going to be just nothing, but it turns out that it is something, but to just be out for the, it will end up being four games, won't it? And if he's back for the start of next season, that'd be great because the next season could start as early as August the 29th. That's only, what, six, seven weeks away. Even if it starts September the 12th is the other day to think the Premier League are, are looking at. Still good news for Liverpool because, as has been shown, the rare occasions that he's not played this season, you think back to kind of the Watford away game and the, the, the Chelsea Cup game and games like that were, it was... Clear. He's one of those players that, not now, but certainly for a while, you didn't really notice him as much when, until he wasn't there. And you know, Liverpool, will, they might, I wouldn't say struggle to get to this 100-point tally over the, the next four games, but it'll certainly be made more difficult by the fact that Henderson's not going to be there. But overall, well, it's a, it's bad news for him. It's it's good news in the sense that he should be OK for the start of next season. And, and also, I suppose, Gorsley, the good way of looking at it is Jurgen Klopp confirming that it isn't an injury that he requires surgery on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as as Doyle says there, it's um, believe it or not, this is the, this is good news, you know, because it could have been a lot worse by, by the sounds of things. And, and there was some kind of suggestion that he, he was immediately whisked away for for a scan on that um, in a local hospital on Wednesday night. And Klopp said in his press conference that the team were kind of happy to come off the pitch with a three-one win and another three points. But once they realised that the captain was injured with, with quite a serious one, that the, the mood kind of dropped. And I think Klopp called it a complete mood killer. So probably is a good thing that it's just going to be a few weeks and okay, it's disappointing, disappointing end to the season for him, for, for Jordan Henderson, but um, it won't take the shine off it in the slightest. And, and I thought it was good that Jürgen Klopp has kind of confirmed that plans are in place for Henderson to lift the trophy against Chelsea. Um, what kind of form that takes, we'll, we'll yet to see. Possibly uh, a club tracksuit rather than showing up in the full kit in, in John Terry style. But uh, it's good that, that Henderson will be the one to lift it because he, he certainly deserves it. 
Yeah, good that it it probably won't be in in a club suit. Would you say something more akin to the the playing uh, attire that the players will be in, but maybe not the the full uh, kit. But Kiva, as Doyley referred to before, Liverpool still looking to to get this one hundred points under their belt, and I suppose evidence even against Aston Villa that Jordan Henderson, as soon as he came on the pitch, he had a word with Naby Keita, he got the team going. That without him for these final four games, we might slightly see a different edge to to Liverpool. Yeah, it provides a bit of, you know, opportunity for the other midfielders, doesn't it? But one thing the Henderson's provided, like, throughout his Liverpool career, but notably over the last couple of seasons, is just um, intensity in terms of, like, he might not always be the best player on the pitch, but he'll always give 100% and he always raises everyone else's game around him. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing Liverpool miss. And you've seen that over the season, any games that he did miss, which was quite rare but those that he did um Liverpool's tempo dropped and everything I think he's just he's a real leader on the pitch and that's what you miss but like you say it gives gives Naby Keita another opportunity to get in there um maybe even we'll see a little bit more of Curtis Jones and the like so you know um as, as sad as it is to see Henderson miss out on the last four games it, it does provide that opportunity I think going for the 100 points record is not the biggest question for me now it's what will Henderson wear? I'm 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 very keen on some golden kecks. <laughs> just wanna wanna see him in some like bedazzled pants or something, you know, um tracky pants or whatever. But yeah, um uh, they'll no doubt all have champion tops on, won't they? So it, it shouldn't look too different. We'll still see him shuffle um in a few weeks' time. Yeah, they've got time to, to choreograph whatever they do do. But I suppose the, the campaign for Golden Pants starts here on the Blood Red podcast. <laughs> uh, Theo, though, making sure he's involved, there was questions in the press conference as to if Jordan Henderson would be lifting the trophy. You can't imagine anything but, regardless of whether he's injured or not. Yeah, definitely. Like It's not as though it's a one-off game to clinch the title. This is a 38-game season and Jordan Henderson has been one of Liverpool's best players throughout the season. He is a contender for PFA Player of the Year and he's just been so important for Liverpool. I can't imagine any scenario where he wouldn't lift it. I know there was um, talks, wasn't it, with Jurgen Klopp and James Milner about them lifting the Champions League trophy with him last year and they both rubbish that say no 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 you've deserved this you do this on your own so it's obviously going to be the same here where he's very much played an important role uh i'd imagine he's going to be in his Liverpool shirt isn't he? he's going to be in the kit granted you'll get the people that will take the mick like john terry but it just looks better isn't it when they're all in the same attire um we think back to 2001 it was a nice gesture when jamie redknapp lifted the fa cup in his suit club suit but it looks a bit odd when you think it's a uh, Liverpool waited so long for this it's a team effort. You want them all in the same uh, kit, representing what they've done over the season. And Henderson is going to be right at the forefront, doing his shuffle, lifting that trophy high and enjoying the moment as long as he can stand properly, depending on his knee. Yeah, and I'm sure kit suppliers want to see them in certain kits as well, though that's a, a whole different can of worms. But Doyley, it was mentioned just then about Jordan Henderson, of course, has been one of the favourites for the PFA Player of the Year award. We're still none the wiser as to when that will exactly get given out. But given he misses these last four games of the season, weirdly, I suppose it could strengthen his hand if Liverpool do go off the boil a bit, because it just shows how important he is. I suppose so. I mean, I don't think it'll make any difference, to be honest. I, th- I would imagine that the whoever's voting, they'll have already made their minds up. I think 
as has just been said, I think it's the sight of Jordan Henderson lifting that Premier League trophy that will be the one that will be more persuasive than anything he could have done over the next four games. Because it's sad in a way because he had he had a very good game at Brighton and he scored a cracking goal. I mean, you can't overlook that. That was a fantastic strike and that kind of summed up what he was about. You know, as Kiva said, there have been games lately where he's come on a substitute. I think was it the Villa game? I think it was Villa, wasn't he? Where he came on and suddenly Liverpool went up another level, and that's what he is to Liverpool. And you know, his his injury—it's not great timing for him in a certain sense. But you could argue it's great timing for Liverpool because these games mean absolutely nothing, and it's better for him to be available for games at the start of next season that actually mean you know he he can go again and he can be at the the forefront of Liverpool attacking the defence of the title, as Jurgen Klopp would say. Yeah, something we didn't get a chance to speak about on Monday, given the press conference on Tuesday ahead of the, the Brighton game, Gorsty, was the fact that Jurgen Klopp previously said Adam Lallana won't be featuring, featuring again for Liverpool. Wonder if that changes this at all. And obviously Jurgen Klopp did pay a glowing tribute to, to Adam Lallana then. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I hadn't actually thought of that. And I can see why... Klopp has said what he did about Lallana. I think there's been a, a bit of an agreement there in place because uh, Lallana might be a little bit concerned about picking up an injury at a time when he's going to be a free agent and, and clubs are going to be interested in, in taking him there. So maybe he's a little bit worried about that and Liverpool don't need to play him because they've got about nine other midfielders and they've already won the league. But uh, if there's going to be a nine-man bench, then you'd imagine a fully fit Adam Lallana would probably be one, one of your, your go-to men for that, for that nine-man bench. I mean... The only other alternative I can think of is to maybe look at the youth academy and, and see if there's anyone else. But as Klopp said last week, he doesn't just hand out um, appearances, you know, for the sake of it from the from the youth academy. So you would imagine that Lallana could come in now, and you're thinking maybe Fabinho is going to be a starter, Wijnaldum, and, and I think Naby Keita should be afforded the chance to just continue on that decent run of form that he's in at the moment. Um, and then they've got. The likes of Oxley Chamberlain on the bench as well, having Ian Milner, and and it looks like Lallana could be kind of coming in for the for, for Henderson over the next few games. But I think bringing on Lallana will be an absolute last resort, given what Klopp said uh, on Monday. Yeah, you already. I, just, I was going to say, I think he might just play Lallana for one minute right at the end of the season or something. There'll, there'll be some kind of gesture where he's on the bench and he'll just come on for like the last minute, and then knowing him, he'll probably do a crook turn and then get injured. So uh, hopefully, 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 it doesn't. To be fair, you know, I think I think with Liverpool in terms of him coming into the Lovren's back as well, so he can just bolster the numbers on the bench. So I I would imagine it shouldn't be a problem for Liverpool. I would be surprised if Lallana actually plays again this season. I think there's him and there's Andy Lonergan as well, wasn't there? They were both given extended deals. I think basically just to take part in the celebrations. And I don't think Liverpool expected to win the league within what was it eight days of the of, of project restart. You know the season beginning again so they stuck around and I, you know that that's a little reward for them too and a reward for Lalana and deservedly so who then in the squad is looking at this as a chance Kiva for impressing and showing what they can do in the final four games Jurgen Klopp said no one needs to prove anything to him he's seen what they're all capable of but Oxlade Chamberlain and you mentioned Naby Keita before have both had injuries through the course of the season and now we'll probably be looking to have a bit of a solid run in, in the side to get up to speed yeah, I haven't been too impressed with um, Oxlade-Chamberlain. I always back him to start, but he hasn't really produced. I think um, when he's in the wide position, it just doesn't suit him at all. He's sort of out on his own and lost. And then Mane comes on, you see what a real sort of winger does, um, what the difference is. So you'd like to see him maybe more centrally taking on Henderson's role, you know, um, in the midfield. But 
Um, one player, I think, who, you know, obviously Naby Keita as well, but another player who Klopp mentioned right at the end of his press conference uh, today was Takumi Minamino. And I think this feels like a big sort of moment for him now. If he can, you know, he hasn't contributed contributed to a to a goal yet he's had not had an assist in the Premier League so you know maybe to get on the score sheet have a little moment where you know he, he's gonna win a Premier League winner's medal but you know just have that little sort of little moment that lifts sort of Liverpool fan spirits around him and going into next season um and then like Gorsty mentioned there obviously the young lads he's not gonna dish the house is he the the appearances you see with Nico Williams he earned that um, so you know, I would I would think I wouldn't think Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott are too far away from in in a few more minutes themselves. So you know, I think that the plan is there in place, and the the players know what they need to do. Clock mentioned when he mentioned Minamino that it's hard work and training. So obviously the players know if they're showing that commitment level in training, then eventually you know the, the minutes will come. So I think he's the sort of one because he hasn't yet prove what he's about we saw you know all the all the reels we we saw in in person at Anfield and obviously away in the Champions League what he's capable of Minamino but now it'd be nice to see him you know just real really get to grips in the Liverpool shirt I think you know he seems to have settled in and um like he mentioned about Kate as well he's settled in so now I feel like this squad are all settled in it's it's now about sort of you know next season doesn't start here we won't man City here um, but you know, it kind of does for them, kind of players on the periphery of the squad. I think it's a really important time for them. Yeah, I suppose one of the the other players really wanting to stake a claim, and this might prompt him up the, the pecking order a bit. Theo is is Curtis Jones. Of course, he did score in the last game at Anfield. Yeah, he's going to get more opportunities. He's always going to get more opportunities during these final weeks of the season, and deservedly so because he's had a good campaign. And now Liverpool have won the title, despite what Klopp says about dishing out appearances. He knows every player in his squad uh, deserves the opportunity. They've all contributed this year, and we are going to see more of Curtis Jones. Um, without saying, as Keeve has just said, next season starts here. It does for these players with the Klopp's thinking to who he's going to turn to and look at in the squad. That's why Adam Lallana is probably not going to play. Um, you'd imagine Jordan Shakiri's drop further down the pecking order as well if he is going to move on. Because you're going to be looking at, say, do you bring Curtis Jones off the bench or do you bring Shakiri? Well, you know Curtis Jones is going to be here. You want to give opportunities to Minamino. But Curtis Jones, he's going to be such a vital player for this Liverpool squad going forward if he carries on the momentum he's built so far. Just because he's so calm, collected on the ball, he's already a very mature, confident lad. But he's versatile as well. Liverpool don't really have too many options for cutting inside off the left flank. And he's done that so well for the 23s. So he could be that reserve for Sadio Mane if Liverpool aren't able to properly go out and spend. Um, we've seen Origi and Minamino, Oxlade-Chamberlain obviously try that role and they're not quite doing it, whereas we know Curtis Jones has that talent. But now with Henderson out as well, he can also show his ability in the middle of the park. Uh, he played well when he came on at the weekend. He deserved his goal. He's just shown what he's shown all season, but he's doing it in the Premier League now. He's a very confident player and it'll be good to see him get a few more minutes under his belt and just keep on building on that momentum he's had over the course of the season so far. Yeah, of course. Jordan Henderson then, and obviously what happened with Liverpool's midfield, a big talking point from today's press conference, but also brought up was what happened the last time Liverpool played Burnley at Turf Moor back in August, I believe it was, or certainly September, but I'm pretty sure it was back in back in August, Doyle. And it was spoken about that tiff between Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah and Mohamed Salah of course 
still on for getting the golden boot. Sadio Mane isn't too far off it himself, but thought it was interesting what Jurgen Klopp had to say about his management of strikers throughout his career, that he's never told one off for being selfish because that's what strikers need to be. I think he actually said there was, he's had two, in 20 years, he's spoken twice with strikers about being selfish. But, you know, this Mane Sal, I think, who cares? To be perfectly honest, I mean, how often have you had an argument with somebody you work with? I wouldn't say all the time, but it's definitely happened. You know what I mean? Just before this podcast. Yeah, I know. But Theo and Ghosty going at each other. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, but but no. In terms of a striker, I know that the question came from the fact that there was an incident. He didn't actually mention it. The person had forgotten how he asked the question, but there was an incident in the second half where Salah was in down the left and he could have passed it across to Mane to score. But Salah, he'd got one goal at that point. He was looking for a few more, obviously think of the golden boot. Held off the, the I think it was Lamptey, the, the Brighton defender, and got a shot away, which was, it was saved, so it went for a corner. But, you know, Mane just turned around, just kind of looked away. You know, he's probably thinking, I could have had a pass in. Because he's obviously, he, he wants a few more goals. That's what forwards want. They all want to score. But they've all realised, long since realised, why the Liverpool top of the league, why the 23 points clear, why are the champions of, you know, the world, Europe and England? Because they're a team. And they all get the rewards if they know that they all get the rewards if they do the job that has been asked of them. And, you know, Jurgen Klopp may have said that, you know, I think at the time, back in August, September, he'd had a very quick word with the pair of them and that was it. And we've seen loads of times since then that, you know, did they set goals up for each other? There's no problem there. But do they want to score goals? Of course they do. Do do they probably have a little, I wouldn't say competition between themselves, but do they want to score more than the other one? Well, of course they do. And that's good for Liverpool because then that means that they're going to end up scoring more goals. So I don't, I don't see it being a problem. I, I, you know, is Salah a bit greedy? Was he a bit greedy towards the end? Yeah, but he wanted another goal. Liverpool winning three-one. Well, it'd be more weird if you had a striker who just gets the ball, just looking to pass it all the time. And I'm not going to name any names, but we can think of a few strikers in the Premier League who are like that. And people are saying, well, why aren't they scoring? So. You'd rather be somebody who is accused of being selfish and scores a load of goals than somebody's accused of being not selfish and doesn't score any. Well, one person who was mentioned in that, I suppose, selfless bracket in the, in the press conference, and he, and he does constantly, Gorsty, is Roberto Firmino, and whether he was looking to pass to Mohamed Salah to help him with this aim for, for winning the golden boot. But what do you make of the notion that players, whilst they're out on the pitch and in the penalty box, uh, trying to look around for who to pass it to. It's not a game of six aside, is it? They, they need to score goals to win games. Yeah, I must admit when that question came, I, I couldn't actually remember the incident that, that they were referring to. And I suppose it's, uh, it's just a natural feature of Firmino's game. He's not the main goal getter in his Liverpool team, is he? He hasn't even scored at Anfield this season, would you believe? It kind of shows how important he is when he can go an entire season without scoring at home and Liverpool still walk the Premier League title. Um, yeah, I mean, Salah on, on Wednesday night had a total of eight shots, um, which is a season highest for him. Five of them were on target. Probably around, around half of them came actually in the last few minutes. So he, he just does seem desperate to kind of get closer and closer to Jamie Vardy. As you would expect him to, he's gone for the third successive golden boot. Only Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry have ever done that in the Premier League era. So he's, looking to, he's already made plenty of Premier League history himself at Liverpool. He's looking to kind of add to that, which is fair enough. I mean... He's Liverpool's main goal threat, so why would he not be the most goal-hungry? Um, I've got no issue with it at all. And I'm, I'm with Doyle a little bit. That Burnley incident was brought up mainly, pretty much just because it was Burnley who they were playing when, when it happened. It's a bit of a storm in a teacup and a nothing incident, and it was long forgotten about. So 
Um, Salah and Mane will continue to, to set each other up. They will continue to score goals and long may that continue. Yeah, looking at Mohamed Salah's figures, Kiva, I think it's 104 Premier League games for Liverpool, 100 goal involvements. If you break that down, it's 73 goals and 27 assists. And now he's on the verge of getting 20 for a third season in a row. Liverpool have been dying out for a striker like this for, for years and years in a side as successful as this one. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unreal, isn't it? I don't think any of this will sort of sink in until years later and we look back at the sort of record books and go, oh my God, that was completely unprecedented and ridiculous. You know, Liverpool have had so many great forwards in in the past and for Salah to be doing what he's doing is just ridiculous. And, you know, no one expected him to, to come to Liverpool and have this effect. It's completely, you know, like, like Klopp mentioned in both of the past press conferences about Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. Them players are all over the pitch. You've just, you know, inspired what Liverpool, are, this success that are enjoying now. But, I mean, Salah's gone from, you know, such a... I mean, they've all had the journeys, but from where he went to sort of the, the Chelsea reject to now, like, you know, world just unbelievable. He's just the talisman, isn't he? And, um, like the amount of like sponsorship deals and things like that he's got. He's literally a superstar. Um, millions and millions of followers to boot on social media. You know, I think it's it's hard to sort of to talk about his goals and what he's brought to Liverpool because it's just it's, it's such a massive thing. Um, you wouldn't have thought. You know, obviously, Firmino, Mane, and then Salah obviously finished that sort of that front three and. To, to watch him every week and the way he plays and the goals he scored. And, you know, it was funny when you, you look back and people were, rival fans were hoping, weren't he? He's going to be a one-season wonder. And then he wasn't. And then he wasn't again. And, you know, you can see he's 28. He's going to be at Liverpool hopefully the next few years if he can, you know, keep hold of him. And, you know, you, you, you definitely think he can become one of Liverpool's greatest ever goal scorers with the, the ratio of games to goals is just unrelenting. You know, you think, I saw a stat the other day where, um, about Luis Suarez, obviously losing him, Liverpool were just completely distraught in that. And now they've got like three of these fellas who are just scoring for fun. Um, I think Suarez is now the third all-time goal scorer uh, for Barcelona with 195 goals. So, you know, Liverpool lost out on 195 goals, but... I think the game now 250 between them three. So, you know, I think we got the better end of the deal almost, didn't we? Yeah, it certainly does seem that way. When you, Definitely when you put it like that, Kiva. And I suppose, as Kiva said there, Theo, Mohamed Salah now 28. He's had three seasons at Liverpool. You'd bet that he'd have at least probably three more at this level. And it's about enjoying him before he's gone because you don't know, obviously, when it all could come to an end. Yeah, with Mohamed Salah, I think it's Liverpool's rise has almost turned the tails on it. You're not waiting for him to make that next big move because he's achieved the biggest prizes at Liverpool. It'll be a case of, I think, when Liverpool make that decision that he's maybe past his best or it's time to move him on because they've got better players coming through or because they've received a good offer for him. Um, he is a very talented finisher. We've said that time and time again and his numbers speak for themselves and he is going to contribute isn't he, for the next two, three years, you'd imagine unless there is this massive offer on the table. But then in this current market, what sort of side can put in a massive offer that is going to look tempt Liverpool to sell Mohamed Salah? Um, maybe he'll fancy a change one day. We've seen Cristiano Ronaldo quit Real Madrid to go to Juventus because he fancied something a bit different. 
Um, Mohamed Salah, he's done it in Italy, he's now done it in England, so maybe all fancy the same. But it's a while off, yeah. Like this Liverpool team, they're still at the peak of their powers. They've still got plenty more trophies they can win. So why would you walk away from that? They're in the Champions League, the Premier League champions, European champions, world champions. There's going to be more of this success and you might as well be part of it. Why do you want to win one trophy of each if you know you can win two or three? He's that hungry footballer for success. He's not going to rest on his laurels. He's going to want more. The only concern I've got is what it means for the rest of the team because I can understand why Sadio Mane is a bit miffed because he won the Golden Boot last year as well. They were both going for it this year and it's almost when the titles won, Liverpool have focused on Mohamed Salah. He's probably going to get benched now, isn't he, at the weekend? But he's not the one who's dropped out the start in eleven. It's been Firmino, it's been Mane. Then he's the one that's going for the goals. He's the one who stays on for the 90 minutes because he's the match winner and he's more consistent with the finishing. But if you're Sadio Mane and you've won the golden boot as well and you can see Liverpool focusing more on Salah when you've still got this uh, story from earlier in the season about the TIF as well at Burnley, you can understand why his nose might be a bit out of joint because he's proven time and time again as well. He's got this talent and he's someone who, if Real Madrid or Barcelona can't tempt Salah one day, they're definitely going to be asking about Sadio Mane. So for both of them, Liverpool fans have just got to enjoy them for as long as they can. And you'd imagine if they keep up this level of success, it is going to be another two, three seasons at least. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll get on to to Burnley very shortly indeed. But Gorsley, just want to come to you first, just uh, on one line that's come out today regarding Liverpool. Mentioned at the top, Leeds United and Marcelo Bielsa. And the reason I did was because there has been a minor update on Liverpool's training ground with them. Obviously, progress was halted with that through the the pandemic, but now got planning permission in for for a fence to stop any spies. Yeah, um, so Liverpool have applied for planning permission with Knowsley Council to basically install a a mesh fence to go around their, their training pitches that are currently being, you know, um, constructed at Kirby, the, the new £50 million training base that was actually meant to be open this month in time for pre-season. And obviously the, the pandemic has um, put a little halt on that and construction started, uh, re- resumed in mid-May. So um, I was told today that uh, a decision on when Liverpool are going to actually move into the, to the um, base will be taken at the end of the season. Um, hopefully, um it's not going to be too far away for completion, and uh, the um, the club are confident that this new mesh fence and, and the plan of permission that goes with it won't have any kind of delaying impacts on, on the on the completion of the site. So uh, it's it's done with, with two things in mind: almost to keep keep prying eyes away from the work that's being done on the training pitch. And I know that was something that Brendan Rodgers was always kind of constantly moaning about during his time at, at Melwood that people could basically peer over the fence and see what Liverpool were doing and. There was always this thing of a Melwood mole and, and um, Rogers went a long way towards kind of uh, resolving that. And it's basically a, a similar thing. So that that is part of it. And another one is part of it is thinking that um, it will kind of protect Liverpool from the elements as well. So if it's a particularly windy day, this mesh fence will absorb plenty of that wind and, and basically enable uh, the players to, to play a little bit more as you would on a match day where, you know, there is a stadium, you know, blocking off the wind. So... Um, as I say, the club are hopeful that that will be in place and it won't have any impact at all on when this new £50 million base that Liverpool hope will rival any other in Europe will, will be able to open. Yeah, we'll, of course, keep you updated on that across on the, the Echo website. But let's have a, a chat about Burnley then, ahead of their arrival at Anfield Doyley. And 
Well, Jurgen Klopp spoke about them, of course, in the, the pre-match press conference, but as well, uh, I suppose a friendship you might not first link, Sean Dyche and Jurgen Klopp having a few Zoom calls during lockdown. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise, to be honest. Um, I'd love to have listened to them, to be honest. I'd just like to have listened to how they spoke, because you don't know what Sean Dyche is like. Yeah, I mean, he's always moaning, Sean Dyche, you know, that kind of thing. So he's always moaning at the at the fourth fish as well. But I, I think they're actually a lot more similar than people think, and I think that's probably why... They get on. They're both very, you know, emotive and expressive on the touchline. And I think there's certainly from Klopp, I'd imagine it's the way as well. Actually, there's there's a there's a healthy respect there for the for what they're doing at their respective clubs. Because I mean, look at Burnley. Where are they now? The eighth or something? Seventh or eighth? They're, they're fairly high up, aren't they? And they're one team that's. I know they got absolutely smashed at, at Man City, but let's be honest, who hasn't been since the season's restarted? Uh, they. They've kind of, given the fact that they've had a few of the, you know, Chris Woods missing, um, Ashley Barnes been missing as well, hasn't he? I know Woods back now, isn't he? So they've done really well. And with the, you know, Jeff Hendricks gone, hasn't he? He's not signed his con- I think there's a few more as well where that's happened. So they've embraced it. And they're probably thinking, oh, I'm, I, we're, we're really pleased that this new season's starting pretty soon because they'll have got a, a fair bit of momentum. Like there's one or two other clubs thinking exactly the same thing. Um, Liverpool will not find it easy against Burnley, especially if, if the weather's anything like it is now where it's very windy because there's no mesh net up around Anfield and we know it's it was absolutely freezing against Aston Villa uh, last weekend and it was very windy there. So it'll be a tough one, but, you know, apart from, you know, one or two of their fans, shall we say, uh, Burnley, decent club. Yeah, we best leave yeah, a few of their fans to, to one side. But as Doyley mentioned there, Kiva, they are only three points off sixth place. And Sean Deitch does continue to do a good job with Burnley. And you, you know what to expect when they do come to Anfield. I think it was last season, was it? It feels like it was a lot longer than, than that ago. They scored from a corner that many disputed whether it should actually have been given. Yeah, I, I always quite admire Burnley just under Sean Deitch, just because they're so boisterously just adamant that they'll play that sort of defensive way and sort of try and break as much as they can and you know they are they are a tough team to break down obviously Liverpool have enjoyed success in the past when they eventually you know overcome the sort of blockade that they put up at Turf Moor and of course at Anfield I always think that they're a good away team you know um but I think um one of one of the things that that will be on display on at the game will obviously be um, the, the battle of the clean sheets, won't it? Because Alisson's chasing for the golden glove and then you've got Nick Pope who's ahead of him on 14, Alisson's got 13. I think it'll be very much both goalkeepers will be knowing, you know, because if, if Burnley can keep a clean sheet and if not, you know, they, they'll be looking to get into Europe as well. Um, but Nick Pope will be thinking of a keeper clean sheet here and I'm pretty much on for, for the golden glove because then it keeps Alisson at 13 alongside, I think, Edison. So, obviously, he's got competition there. But, you know, to go two ahead of Alisson, who, as we have to say, missed a lot of games this season, um, you know, is completely remarkable. We, we know what a good goalkeeper Nick Pope is, and I think he'll he'll show that again against Liverpool. So, I think that that's sort of one to look out for, isn't it? And now, you know, you defend. Um, and it'd be nice to see Liverpool have that sort of, like, Crystal Palace game now. Um, after the derby, that was a bit dull. And then they sort of, you know, they, they got the, the party started didn't they, against Palace. And then I don't think they've really massively, they've been good goals, but they haven't massively, you know, dominated games and been the impressive Liverpool side we've seen. So I'd like them to, to try and do that. But then Burnley have got so much to fight for. So, 
it's not going to be easy, you know, even though the, the party has started for Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, Gorsty, how impressive is it actually, that clean sheet record that Alisson's presiding over this season? I think it's 12 in the Premier League. He's only played 25 games, but when you think about it, his first clean sheet this season in the Premier League came away at Bournemouth on the 7th of December. Yeah, it's a, it's a very very strange contrast, isn't it? The fact that he's he's so high up there in the terms of the clean sheets, and he's missed so many games. He didn't keep a clean sheet until December, as you say. But I think I think once December came, that was the that was where the title was won for Liverpool. I think a lot of people expected Liverpool to fall away because they had League Cup commitments and obviously the the Club World Cup in Qatar, Champions League in Salzburg, um, and about fifteen Premier League games as well. They seem to be playing every other day back in December and. Liverpool just went and won every every single game, apart from obviously the, the Villa one when it was the youngest Liverpool team in history. Um, it was a you know almost an under eighteen side, if you like. So um, it's a a really strange record that Allison's got, and I think it just shows how how good he's been and how good Liverpool have been defensively, haven't he? Because um, Manchester City have got the got the greatest goal difference, but Liverpool have once again got the best defence in the Premier League, and I think this is. I know it's certainly the second season when it might even be the third. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you don't win anything without the top defence, do you? And, and Liverpool's is obviously built on the relationship between Gomez and Van Dijk at centre-back. And obviously they've got two top-class full-backs either side. And, and Alisson, who for me is the world's best goalkeeper. So when you've got those five uh, and you're trying to break them down, it's, it's tough, isn't it? So that'll be why they are so high and why Alisson hopefully will once again finish with, with the Golden Glove. Yeah, and that defence will have to be on top, probably, Theo, against Burnley, who will put plenty of physical tests up against Liverpool and any balls in behind Virgil van Dijk that he might have to flick over the forwards with his head and get onto them. That was great, wasn't it? That's just uh, one about Virgil van Dijk. This is a proper player. This is how good he is. To have the sense to read that and form it, the confidence, it's amazing. But Burnley, they're usually one of the teams that you'd have feared Liverpool facing before Virgil van Dijk arrived at the club. Like I remember, was it going to Turf Moor a few years ago and losing 2-0 right at the start of the season? It was a place Liverpool hated to go, but it was a team that they could get bullied by. Burnley aren't afraid of playing against the big teams. And with Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, they've got these two physical presences up front. But now you just don't have those concerns anymore because Liverpool have got Virgil van Dijk. He's just so composed. He's so cool. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not afraid of any challenges or anything. And he is the best centre-back in the world. As we've already said, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world, probably got the best right-back in the world, probably got the best left-back in the world. And Joe Gomez, he's right up there as well. But yeah, um, i guessing Kiva's not predicting a nil-nil then. If uh, Mick Pope's going to pull away from Alisson. Uh, it's a hard one on that with uh, who, you, what you expect to happen, really. Because if Liverpool were at the races, I'd expect it to be another comfortable win. Because I saw the City-Burnley game. And Burnley not really at it against those teams if you're on the ball just because they know they're not really going to challenge for Europe despite the fact they're right in the mix there they were burnt was it last season when they lost a few players to injury dropped off a bit from those commitments they're just seeing the season out doing as well as they can with um, the talented players there maybe trying to get big moves or something but it's going to be another comfortable of pulling I'd imagine if they can start well as we seen uh, last weekend Love the fact that in this podcast, uh, Theo's just completely dismissed Burnley and he's tried to set up a fight between Mane and Salah so far. <laughs> I also like how our, how, how our preview of what Burnley might offer consisted of talking about how good Alisson is and Virgil van Dijk's header, but 
Anyway, <laughs> we, we best get into then our, our team selections and match predictions before we go. And uh, Doily, I'll, I'll start with you. But who, for who's between the stick and, and your uh, your back five? Um, Allison possibly between between the sticks. Uh, I think the back four is going to be the back four. Robertson came on. Obviously, Nico Williams had a tough time at left back, which was it was a bit harsh playing him there, to be honest. But it was a good learning experience for him because I've hardly I don't think I've ever seen him play left back at any under twenty three level or under eighteens or anything like that. Um, so Robertson back left back. Trent can stay right back. I don't think uh, this is a game for 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 Nico Williams to be playing there, and then the normal two centre back. Anybody wanting to question that at all? I've I've got a little inkling that Klopp mentioned Lovren's available because he might just throw him in. Um, Gomez hasn't looked on it, has he, completely? Maybe he could do with a little bit of a rest. And if Lovren is, you know, you wouldn't mention that Lovren was available. I don't think necessarily you'd need to um, because it would just come as a, a minor shock, wouldn't it, at the weekend? So I've got a little inkling that he might start. Not that I would like to see that, but I would like to see Gomez get back to his sort of best. And I don't know ever playing him, continuing to play him, does that or resting him for a game, does that? I think, to be fair, Klopp did get asked about Lovren. He didn't just yeah. offer it. He oh, did get asked. Yeah. YouTube wasn't working, was it? <laughs> no, you, near the no, it wasn't. It wasn't, you, you it wasn't a function. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. The only other thing you could do is maybe put Nico right back and have Trent give him a rest, just rotate them, but I'd stick with the the tried and trusted, the first choice back four. Yeah, so going with the, the usual suspects then across the uh, the back four. Gorsty, who's going to be in your midfield three? Obviously, no Jordan Henderson. No, I'd keep uh, keep Cater in there. I thought he had a good game of the night, so a chance for him to kind of carry on building that momentum. Um, and I think he's in there at the expense of Curtis Jones, who I was tempted to to throw in, but I'm I'm going to keep my partners right there, and probably Fabinho and and Wijnaldum. You mentioned uh, Minamino earlier, Kiva. You thinking of putting him in the midfield three at all? Possibly, but then you sort of think through it and think Fabinho's just been world class. I think he's been one of Liverpool's best players since the return. Um, and then you're not leaving Kater out just because he's really coming into his own, and you don't want to mess with that. Um, I've still got a little inkling towards Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think Klopp is trying to figure him out still. I know he's a versatile player that he'd like to play in, a, you know, maybe on the wing and centrally. And he can play in those spaces, but I think maybe just give him give him a go in in sort of Henderson's spot and just see how he gets on. And Theo, who's your who's your three in the midfield? Abby Cater keeps his place just because he's in form. Uh, it's a hard one as well, because. Do you really need to play Fabinho against Burnley? You could have that control over it. So we might see Genio and Aldum in that deeper role. Um, but I'd probably go along with what Gorsty's done with Fabinho when Aldum and Oxlade Chamberlain dropping out. I know he started the last couple, but he's not looked quite at it. So rest him out and go for the players who are looking a bit more on form and then see if you can have a lively impact off the bench. And Doyle, does it work with Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain in the, in the in the same midfield together? Not for me, no. I think I actually think I think over time they'll both be playing for the same position, that kind of attacking spearhead in the, in the midfield. That's where I think the, I think Cater's in possession at the moment. Right, so too he's been played very well. He's, he's Liverpool's most improved player since they came back. I think it was interesting he went off after an hour. I think that just says to me he's playing against Burnley because he was playing so well. There was no reason to to to, to substitute him, especially when at the time it was just still two one to Liverpool. So it was still 
in the balance somewhat. I think Case will play midfield. I think Fabinho's got to play. I think James Miller will play as well in the. I think it's interesting. I remember Liverpool won three one at Burnley two seasons ago, and Cater was in a midfield two in a four four two, and it was one of his best games he ever played for Liverpool. They couldn't knock him off the ball. He he, he got stuck in. It was a midweek. It was December. It was you know it's Burnley, so you know what you were to expect. And I think he was that kind of convinced me that game that he could make it in the Premier League. At least, unfortunately, he's had the injury since then, but. I think Cater plays. Yeah, that was a night. Of course, Joe Gomez got injured as well, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Anyway, let's get into the, the forward threes then, Gorsty. We we spoke about Mane and Salah before. Are we going with the, the usual suspects at the top end of the pitch as well? I think I might try try uh, Minamino instead of Firmino. Um, obviously, he's not going to go right up against the likes of Ben Mee and, and whoever else because they're all... Strong and barely, and, and Minamino is a little bit flighty, isn't he? A little bit, um, not the, not the most uh, well lightweight, shall we say? But I think, um, I think this could be a de- decent chance for him to get on the ball a little bit and, and show what he's about. So I'm going to go with Minamino over Firmino. And Theo, who's in your front three? Um, well, I can't see Salah getting dropped whilst he's going for the golden boot. And you look at the next games after this, where it's Arsenal and Chelsea, you'd imagine it's going to be the first choice front three for them. So it's perfect opportunity to get Minamino some game time. Um, you're not going to want to start him against those tougher ones when he's still finding his feet. So I'd probably go along with Gorsty and it's a game where you could have him started ahead of Firmino. Doesn't look as comfortable out wide. And then you can have Mane back in his favourite position seeing if he can catch up to the leading goal scorers as well. Yeah, not sure that Arsenal back line's the toughest of all. But anyway, Kiva, <laughs> what, what do you make you of the, it, uh, the forward three for the Burnley game? Yeah, I'm definitely convinced Minamino for, for Firmino as a straight swap, isn't it? He is a bit more slight, as, as Gorsi's mentioned there. So he might get a little bit, you you wouldn't think bullied by the, the, the boisterousness of Burnley, but I think he's probably got, you know, a little bit of little bit of room to manoeuvre there and maybe, you know, try and start to impress. And then I think like Theo mentioned, you can't leave Salah out because he's obviously going for the golden boost. He's in form. But then you can't leave Mane out because you just feel like you can't leave him out because then how does he start to think then? Oh, they're letting letting Salah go for the golden boot, not me. But there's a little inkling in the back of my mind that I just kind of want to see Rigi again because this feels like the game where you could play him and be that opportunity. So maybe him for Mane because he just hasn't done anything, has he, since uh, the return. And it's kind of like you're almost questioning his future a little bit, which is like a scary thought because he's a god. Um, so... (laughs) You know, I was going to say that's that statue status beginning to to crumble away for him. I know that's what I mean. So if if he could just even come on at the end, so start Mane and then bring him off after like sixty minutes and get a regular goal, just so we all relax again and worship him. Yeah, certainly, Doily. Then your 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 forward three. We'll leave Kiva to to worship Divock Origi. Yeah, I'm, I will not be worshiping worshiping any footballer ever. Just thought I'd say that. Um, unless they stop regularly in the mix zone when they resume, then that then they'll get a nod of appreciation from me when they finally <laughs> finally put you know hang the boots up. Um, Salah is the he was obviously didn't play against Everton, and since then Firmino and Mane have been rested. So I think Salah's the only one who could possibly get rested because I think Firmino definitely plays for me in this one because I don't think Burnley know what to do with him. If I'm being honest, the Burnley defence will just be stood around going, what, what are we supposed to do with this? And I think he he kind of performed well at Burnley when they won 3-0 uh, back in August. I think Mane's got to start. So it's Salah or Minamino. I think Salah starts, to be honest. Maybe Minamino gets half an hour towards the end 
you know, Jurgen Klopp's been doing that. And I, you know, I, I almost think for Minamino, probably Arsenal away is a good game to play because he can just get in and amongst, you know, Arsenal's not very good defence, as, as Guy knows all about, even though Arsenal have, have started to, you know, keep a few clean sheets. Well done. Yeah, well, less said about that, the uh, the better. Um, but yeah, we best then get to the, the match predictions. We forgot to do them on, on Monday. I was going to say 3-1 against Brighton. But uh, anyway, yeah, Doyle... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doyle, we'll start with you. Um, 3-1. Oh, there you go. I'll go with 3-1. 3-1 to Liverpool. There you go. Gorsley? 2-0. Kiva? 2-1. Theo? 2-0. And I think it'll be 4-0 to Liverpool, but we'll have to wait and see how everything does play out. Of course, we'll be back on Monday with the next Blood Red podcast here on the Blood Red channel. Thank you for joining us. If you can like, rate, review, subscribe, share, wherever it is you get your audio on demand or or if you are here on the YouTube channel as well. But from myself, Guy Clark, Ian Doyle, Paul Gorst, Kiever O'Neill and Theo Squires, thanks for your time and company. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.